let's get into the Word today. It's good to have you here. Let's look at the book of Habakkuk. If you could say that, you're pretty good. Habakkuk, chapter 1. I want to go through the whole book with you today. It's not a very long book. It won't take a long time. I just want to highlight some major portions to you. On the back of your announcements are notes, and you can write today's lesson is going to be in wrath, remember mercy. Today's lesson is in wrath, remember mercy. We're going to an Old Testament book by the name of Habakkuk. We're going to start in chapter 1 and work through all of the three chapters of this wonderful book. Now, as you get more familiar with your Bible, you'll understand that obviously there's an Old and a New Testament. The Old Testament represents God and His covenant with the people through Moses. Everybody say Old Covenant. The Old Covenant was based upon the laws that Moses was given and the priesthood and the tabernacle and the festival days and the dietary laws. All of this was called the Old Covenant. Everybody say Old Covenant. Amen. Now, when the people of God began to stray away from the Old Covenant, He sent them prophets. When you get into the books of the Bible that are named after people like Amos, Haggai, Isaiah, Daniel, Jeremiah, these are the prophets of the Old Testament. These would be like the pastors of the people of Israel. Now, the problem was is that the people of Israel were not living for God. So the messages that these prophets most of the time were saying is that the nation was in sin, that people were doing wicked things, and that if they did not repent, they would be judged. That was the message of the prophets. Now, Habakkuk is considered a minor prophet. That doesn't mean that he's under 18 years old, okay, or under 21, and he couldn't order a beer if he wanted to. He's not a minor in that sense. He is a minor prophet in the sense that his book is smaller. The major prophets have bigger books, like Isaiah is a major prophet, Daniel is a major prophet, and that's just the way Bible students can divide up the Bible. So you got the Old Testament, which is the Old Covenant, and you have these prophets that are prophesying to them, and some are called the minor prophets, and that is what Habakkuk is. Now Habakkuk is in the time of when Israel is so wicked that they are now worshiping other gods. They are, what the Bible calls them, prostituting themselves with other gods. They were supposed to be married to the one true God, the same God who parted the Red Sea for them, gave them manna in the wilderness, showed them the miracles on the mountain when Moses received the law. They were supposed to love this God, but now they were two-timing. They were cheating on God with false gods that were idols. Habakkuk is one of the last prophets to come to the people of Israel to warn them that if they don't change, God is going to send another nation to destroy them. You see, God punishes the people who disobey Him. I know that that doesn't sound fun and laugh and giggles, and that may not get you to want to shout amen a whole bunch today, but that's the truth. And what we're going to pull out of this passage today is now in the New Covenant, pastors are supposed to be like these prophets, which I, Lord willing, with His help I can be today, and to warn this nation that if we don't change, we're going to be in some trouble. You see, I didn't come here just to tickle your ears, blow in your ears, tell you something nice. I have to tell you the truth. Now, I love to tell things that are nice as well, and God is very loving. He loves you. He cares about you. Jesus died on the cross for you. Everybody go, aww. Okay, so you feel special. There's the special message. He loves you. But here's the tough part now. He also will judge you. 
and he will judge our nation. So if you're like, hey, I'm out of that judgment. I've, ex- I've accepted Christ. I live for God. I'm fine. Well, here's the problem. Your neighbor's probably not fine. Your co-worker's probably not fine. The church down the road's probably not fine. We know our government's not fine. Come on. We just, we just elected the most abortion-loving president of all times. He, he loves abortion so much that children can get it without their parents' permission, that he's going to legalize uh, partial birth abortion, which is uh, the baby being aborted in the third trimester. He also believes that when the baby, if it's aborted and somehow lives when it's outside the womb, that it is to be killed and thrown into the trash. This is the truth. This is our government. We need God in this nation, my friends. If we are going to be any example, we need to show it here first in our lives, in this church, and we need to show India and this world that there's people who love God. Amen? And so I've come to speak the words of Habakkuk as if I was the prophet himself speaking to you today. Now, it's not my words. It's God's words. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. Look at Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 1. The oracle that Habakkuk the prophet received. So this is what God gave Habakkuk. Verse 2. How long, O Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen or cry out to you, Violence, but you do not save. Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife. Conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed, and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. If you believe that's happening today, can you say amen? I want to tell you today that wickedness is prevailing. And that we as godly people have been crying out for a long time, saying, Lord, how long will we see this? I want to tell you something. I'm not numb to it. Some of you are numb to the news. I know because we get it so much, but it still breaks my heart. Let me give you some facts to know and to think about. Right now, Chicago is the murder capital of America. Chicago is the murder capital of America. Chicago has had already 426 homicides. New York, which is more than 3 million times, or 3 million more then Chicago has only had 417. Los Angeles, which has almost more than a million, than Chicago has only had 300. Chicago has had 426 murders this year. I feel like the, prof- the prophet Habakkuk, Lord, how long will I see this injustice? Jared was at my house the other day, and I live in a bad neighborhood, and I love being there, but it's not always fun. Jared was at my house, and we heard noise out on our street because my my house is right there. And I looked out the window, about 20 kids fighting each other right there. How long will we cry out for help? Do you ever feel that way? I mean, I know I feel that way. Come on. I mean, it grieves my heart to say I live in a city that has had 426 murders. This prophet was crying out to God saying, God, why don't you help us? You see, one of the things you need to realize is that we're in trouble, my friends. And it doesn't only just uh, start and stop here. It also goes all around the world. This is one of the most disturbing stories I've heard this week. And trust me, there's always a disturbing story I hear every week. As a matter of fact, there's two competing for this story. But this one probably just outdoes it just a little bit. In England, there was a young man named Sean Dyke, 17 years old. 
He was dealing with homosexual feelings. He had had a boyfriend that he loved, and they broke up, and he felt alone. He felt rejected. He was confused about his sexuality. So he went to the mall in England. In the mall, they had a parking garage about 60 feet up in the air. He went to the top of that parking garage, and he stood at the edge of that parking garage contemplating whether to jump. Immediately, the police saw him, and they began to call out to him, come down, come down. As he was considering coming down, a crowd of young people began to gather around this scene, and they began to shout up to him, jump, jump. People began to pull out their video cameras and said, how far will you splat and how far will you bounce when you come down? We want to see jump. The police tried to control the mob because they saw that the young man was torn between listening to them and coming down and the hundreds of teenagers crying out to him, we want to see you jump. Before the young man could be convinced by the police, he jumped 60 feet to his death. But this wasn't good enough for those teenagers. They ran to him with their phones and they took pictures and put it all over the Internet. I feel like the prophet today crying out to God, Violence! Do you hear me? And the one that competed with that story was over 173 people being murdered in India just this week. You probably saw it on the news Americans were killed. The leader of the terrorist, uh, the anti-terrorist organization was killed by the terrorists. 122 Indian civilians were killed. 17 policemen, 35 foreigners, 245 people were wounded. Do you ever feel like destruction and violence are always before you and conflict abounds? That's exactly what Habakkuk was dealing with. You see, this is the problem we have right now as the church. We can ignore this problem. We can say it's not our problem. Who cares about the murders in Chicago? Who cares about what happens in India? Who cares about these young people in England? It's not our problem. Or we can begin to do what the prophet did and cry out. You see, I'm looking for a church that doesn't want to turn a deaf ear and a blinded eye, but actually wants to look at the problem, open up their hearts and their ears, and then cry out aloud to God, help! Help us, Jesus. We're looking for a church of people who want to reach out one hand to the gutter of this world, another to the glory of God in heaven, and bring the two together in a cataclysmic collision where God makes sinners saints, where God changes drug dealers into good moms and dads, where God changes the violent and the terrorists to the gentle and the humble. That's the type of church that we want. If you want to say amen. Habakkuk knew what it was like to live in a violent society. We are living in a violent society. They can tell us all day long that abortion and evolution and homosexuality has no consequence. But these are the consequences. These are the consequences when you teach people as children. They're nothing but a different species of animals. They will act like animals. This is what happens when you allow a government to become corrupt and greed to take over the nations, the poor rise up and begin to do hideous things because they feel oppressed. That's the reason why we have terrorism. It doesn't take a a brain surgeon to figure it out. We've bombed poor villages. We've oppressed the poor. The nations hate us. 
All you have to do is watch a documentary. They say, we love what individual Americans are. They're nice people, but their government is hideous towards us. They're full of greed. They see us guzzling their gasoline. They see us taking all of their products and spending it and spending it and spending more and more debt and debt and trillions of dollars. And then we commit violence in our own streets. America is like a third world country, 476 murders. I don't even know if certain parts of Africa, certain parts that are actually going through right now, revolutions have that many murders in a year. God have mercy. Everybody say in wrath, remember mercy. Keep on going. It will get better towards the end. But we have to go through the book now. Come on. Look at verse 5. Look at verse 5. God is now going to bring judgment. God is saying, I'm going to punish those who live this way. Verse 5, look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. For I'm going to do something in your days that you would not believe, even if it were told you. Now, I misquoted this scripture last week as a good thing. Like, hey, God's going to do something in the nations that you wouldn't even believe. That means he loves everybody. He's going to take care of everybody. No, but that's not what it means. It means God is going to do so much destroying, so much punishment, bring down so much wrath against sinners that you couldn't even believe it if he told you. He said, I am raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless and impotent, impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwelling places not their own who is raising up those people in verse 6 who's raising them up God is he says I'm raising up the Babylonians if you know anything about world history at this time the Babylonians were the most wicked of armies they were the most disgusting culture they did everything and anything they wanted they had no mercy on the people they took captive they would rape the women the children they had no mercy they sacrificed their own children to the gods they worship blood sacrifice God says because you Israel have not listened to me I am going to raise these guys up to teach you a lesson if you ask yourself why we're seeing all of our problems, it's because God has taken his hand of protection off of our nation. God can't protect a nation that doesn't protect its own children. God can't protect us when we are allowing homosexuality in our government. This is an abomination to God. God can't protect a nation that's number one internet export is pornography. The number one thing America does with its technology on the computer is pornography. We flood the world with the filth that we produce here. God is angry with us. The first thing that we learned is that the nations need God because there's violence. The second thing we've just learned is that God will punish those nations. Now it's going to get a little bit better. Turn to chapter 2. Look at verse 1. Habakkuk is receiving this revelation, and like me speaking it to you today, it's breaking his heart. He's not happy about the state of Israel. It's not a joyful message for him to preach, but he's hoping that God can still have mercy in the time of wrath. Look at chapter 2, verse 1. God is speaking. I will stand at my watch and station myself at the ramparts. I will look to see, or rather, this is Habakkuk's talking. He says, I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am to give to his complaint, to this complaint. So basically what, Jeremiah, uh, what Habakkuk says is, you know what, I'm going to stand my watch over my city spiritually. He says, I'm going to look out over the land 
and I'm going to listen to what God's complaining about, what, he's, what his problems are with us, and I'm going to do my part. I'm going to hear what he has to say. Now look at this next verse, verse 2. The Lord replied, because Habakkuk said, hey, I want to do something to help. What can I do? I know, God, you have all these problems with our nation. What can I do? And that's what I want to say to God today. God, what can I do? What can I do? Hopefully we have a church today that can say, God, what can we do? Everybody say, what can I do? Listen to what the Lord says. Write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks to the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. What is this revelation? Once again, we've taken this revelation to mean a good thing. But it's not. It's the revelation that he knows the judgment is coming and he's actually being commanded, tell people this, write it down and pass it along. Everybody say, write down the vision. We are supposed to tell this world the revelation, the vision that Jesus Christ will judge them. That's our part. It's not always fun. It's not always easy. I mean, I love watching TV preachers that smile and always look like talk show hosts and they always are shiny. Hello, welcome. This is your best day now. I want to tell you how to do it for $5.99. God bless you. Yeah, I wish I could be guys smiling, but that's not what I'm called to do. And, and really, you're not supposed to look at your friends and just be like, hey, man, everything's okay. Did you have fun at the bar last night? Hey, that was a great, uh, uh, you know, Chicago Bears game. That was, they were good, weren't they? No, you and I are supposed to preach to them the revelation, the vision that God is upset with their sin and the sin of this nation. And even if people think, that his judgment is not coming. We're supposed to tell them, if it lingers, if it lingers, if it delays, don't you think that it's, 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 it's just not going to happen? It will happen. The Bible says in Second Peter that people have been saying for a long time, hey, you Christians, you keep telling us Jesus is coming back. Armageddon's coming. But it's not happening. You're lying. It's not happening. We keep having money. We keep doing this. We keep doing this. Nothing changes. Christians, you're crazy. And what Jesus Jesus, what God is telling us right here is though it delays, though the judgment is prolonged, though it may not come right away, it still is coming. Just because people today can live however they want and they can think, well, nothing's happened to me. Look at me. I'm, li- I'm having an adulterous affair. They might say I'm having an affair, but I'm still getting paid at my job. My life hasn't fallen apart. You know, our nation may say, hey, look at us. Hey, you know, we'll bounce back. We'll get the economy strong again. Hey, it's okay. Gay marriage. Look at how happy the gay couples are. They love people. They're happy family. They take care of their children. You see, people will want you to think that nothing's going to happen on God's end, but you and I got to be smarter than that we've got to be aware that if god said it he will do it you've got to warn people that's your part it's my part i'm doing it today now let's get to the good part the end part everybody go to habakkuk chapter three everybody say in wrath remember mercy habakkuk now at the end has a prayer he started off hearing the word of god that God is upset because the nations are violent and the nations are corrupt. He sees the judgment coming to them and it makes him afraid. He begins to understand that it's now going to be his job to actually walk up to people and say, Hey, hey, I knocked on your door just to tell you God is coming through the Babylonians and they're going to destroy you. But now he prays at the end. And let this be our prayer. 
He says in Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 1, a prayer of Habakkuk the prophet. Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, O Lord. Renew them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. God came from Tenmen, the Holy One from Mount Paran. His glory covered the heavens and His praise filled the earth. His splendor was like the sunrise. Rays flashed from His hand where His power was hidden. Plague went before Him. Pestilence followed His steps. He stood and shook the earth. He looked and made the nations tremble. God, remember mercy. It is up to you and I now to pray that prayer. You have a notepaper in front of you, most of you. Write down some people right now you want to ask God to be merciful for. Who do you want to pray for today? This church is in a special season right now. We're in a season of prayer. We're in a season of brokenness. You've been in our church where we've had the Holy Ghost giggles, man, where we've rolled on the floor, laughed and bucked and jerked. We love Holy Ghost giggles, amen? We love to laugh and rejoice as children are in our Father's presence because we have the best dad in the whole world. Amen? But these last couple of weeks, God's been doing something in my heart. You can tell as the messages begin to change. And I was back there praying and I was, you know, chatting with Pastor Amid and, and I'm trying to see what I'm going to preach today because about six months ago, the Lord told me, stop preparing messages during the week. Come Sunday and I'll tell you what to preach. So I printed these off today, just right back there in our new office we have there. And I was pacing back and forth and I was just like, Lord, what do I speak today? And as I was chatting with the met, the, uh, the Lord just spoke to my heart, this prophet Habakkuk. And how things seem so hopeless at times. Here are brothers being persecuted. Another one of my pastor friends is going to India. He's been going there for 16 years in a row. He said there was a family in the village that he ministers in that the uh, Hindu terrorists came, not Muslim terrorists, but Hindu terrorists came, put gasoline on all the family and said, renounce Christ or we'll set you afire. They did not renounce Christ. They all died in a blazing fire. That's happening. And I was beginning to ask the Lord, Lord, what, what can we do for Pastor Amit? I mean, Pastor Amit needs to come here and teach us. I mean, these people pray. They don't just pray 15 minutes a day. They pray hours a day. He walks sometimes two hours to the village when the buses don't run because of the mud or they're running late. He'll walk two hours to one of the villages he ministers in. I mean, how many of us would even do that? How many of us would even walk, you know, 10 minutes if our car or bus didn't work? And I was sitting back there, and I'm asking the Lord, God, what can I do? What can I do about this? And the Lord said, you can pray for mercy. You can pray for mercy in America. You can pray for mercy in the nations. You can be a prophet like Habakkuk and ask God to have mercy. You and I can have prayers that make differences in people's lives. I mean, are you broken for the world around you? Or have you become numb to what's going on? I mean, when I tell you we've had over 400 murders, does that shock you? Or is it like, ah, welcome to Chicago, kid. That's the way it is. When I tell you that in my neighborhood kids are fighting, does that bother you? Or is that just, ah, that's just the way it is? 
I mean, does it take a story like this young man being taunted by kids who want to put the next coolest video on YouTube to shake us up? But you know what? Just like Columbine became old to us, this will become old. If I said this story to you two or three times, you would eventually become numb to it. Oh, yeah, that kid, he he committed suicide because people taunted him. I pray that God gives us the heart of children again. I pray God gives us the heart for our youth ministry when they go out to the high school that they'll see youth the way God sees them, as broken people, hurting people that hurt other people, as girls with low self-esteem that give their bodies away to guys because no one loves them at home. I pray that today your heart will become soft towards your own family, towards your own community, that you'll look at that guy who watches the Bears game with the six-pack, not as a guy that has an easy life, but you look at him as a man that's hurting, that has not found his purpose in life, and he's ashamed of who he's become, and he hides on that couch, and he becomes something he thought he never would be. And he's waiting for someone to give him the purpose to why he's on this planet. We're looking for a church of Habakkuk's that will get upset with the way things are and cry out to God and say, God, I know you deserve, I know we deserve for you to judge us, but God have mercy on us. God, I know you deserve to, you can judge Chicago right now. We deserve it. God, you could send enemies to attack us. You could crush our economy right now. You could send a disease, a pestilence to us. We deserve it. We have murdered our own children. We've allowed it to happen. We've sat back and done nothing. We, 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 we should say that today, but then go one step further and say, but God, have mercy. God, I, I can't just sit back and watch this happen in my country. Would you stand up with me, please? Ishmael, would you come to the guitar? How many know this was a tough message for me to preach? But I had to preach it. How many are glad that you hear the whole Bible here? Amen. Tomorrow, you may, uh, next week, you may come and we may be talking about how awesome God is, how much He loves us. Some of you were here a few weeks ago. We were doing the worship time and we were just worshiping God. The whole message was on worship. But what I want to do is I want to end this service like kind of like the way we did last week, praying for now the people we know, for mer- the people that need mercy. Alex, come and stand up here with me. I want to use you as an example. This young man right here is an example of exactly what we're talking about. This guy right here came to our youth group about a year ago now, right? And he was a troublemaker. You would admit that, right? Yeah. I was a troublemaker in my youth group, but he was a troublemaker. He would sit in the back. We'd have all these lights and video games, but he was a troublemaker. And we had to ask him to leave a couple times. Hey, dude, you know, don't, don't come if you're going to act that way. And you did, you did some stuff on the streets then after that, didn't you? And what I hear is that you were shot at a couple times. Is that true? Yeah. And he came back to church. And he called up a girl, and I don't want to make her look bad. We won't say her name, but he called her up who used to come to the youth group. And he said, let me get their number because he didn't have. He said, I want to call them to get a ride and all of this. And she said, oh, you know, you don't want to go to that youth group. They don't have the video games anymore. They don't have the lights. Now they're just praying and all that. But he still came, didn't you? And when he showed up here, he said it was better than it ever was before. And God touched his life. And where was it? Right here? On the stage? What did you feel up here? I felt like I was on a cloud. Hallelujah. You know God's real, don't you? You know why this happens in our church? 
because we pray for mercy for guys like Alex. Because if we don't reach Alex, who's going to reach him? It's not like Alex had 20 churches beating down his door. He only knew of one, if I'm right. This is it. Somebody had to pray for me. Somebody had to pray for him. Come on, we got to keep praying for people in this city. If God can do it in Alex's life, God can do it in anybody's life. If God could do it in your life, in my life, God can do it in anybody's life. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise for somebody coming back to Jesus. Amen. God bless you, brother. Let's just raise up our hands in prayer. Now, Holy Father in heaven, we ask you to have mercy on us. We raise up our hands, O oh God, in total surrender. And we ask you to have mercy on Chicago. Father God, we're not going to pretend it doesn't happen. Father God, we cry out for all those families. Oh, that are missing somebody they love today. Have mercy on them, Father God. God, we pray for our neighborhoods that are filled with violence today, Father God. Have mercy on them, Jesus. Oh, God, we pray for our family members who are lost, Father God. They may look like they have it together on the outside, but on the inside we know they're hurting. On the inside we know that they have a hole, God, a hole that only can be filled by you. Have mercy, Senor. Mercy, God. Mercy, Jesus. Oh, Father God, have mercy. Have mercy, Father God. Hallelujah, doubtful. Come up here and just begin to pray for the young people. As we call up some of our elders to pray, just begin to lift up your voices with them. We're going to pray for young people now that God would have mercy on teenagers.
Jesus, we need you. We cannot do a thing without you. Uh, not one thing without you, Lord Father. We need you. Oh, Father, we need you, Jesus. Have mercy, Lord Father. Have mercy. Sure. Hallelujah. I'm going to ask David Carrasco to come up. One of the biggest deceptions that the devil will tell us is that the people who live in this neighborhood, the good mothers and fathers who have great jobs or work hard, take care of their children, that somehow they don't need God's mercy, you know. I was sitting down with a couple at, at Thanksgiving. They shared the building with my in-laws, and they invited them to come. Beautiful people, wonderful. Everybody here would love them, say they're one of the cutest, nicest people you, couple you'd ever meet. And as they were describing to me their life, and I talked to them about what I do, I'm a pastor, and started, they started to tell me what they did. And She said, you know, I used to go out, but I wasn't that bad. You know, I would go to clubs, but I wasn't that bad. You know, I wouldn't murder or drink really a whole lot. I would just go out and just kind of hang out with my friends. And I said to her, I said, oh, so you were a good sinner, huh? You see, that's the way people like that think about themselves. And, and let's be honest, many of us thought about ourselves that way too. Hey, you know, I'm not that bad. I mean, every now and then I go to Catholic church or a Christian church. You know, I show up there every now and then. You know, I take care of my family. We used to be like that, some of us. But here's the thing. There's an old saying, and it's also reflected in the Bible. I'll, I'll tell you the saying that we've heard, then I'll give you the scripture. Evil prospers when good men do nothing. Just because you're not the murderer, just because that the people around here are not the drug dealers like the young people or the ones that are out there doing it, they're allowing it just as much as, as the person that's turning away from it. And you know what I'm talking about. Let me help you out. When you go see a rated R movie and you support Hollywood to make violent movies, you're supporting that. When you buy that music, you're supporting that. When you let your kids buy that music, you're supporting that. When you let your kids buy those violent video games, you're supporting that. When you don't teach your children the Ten Commandments, when you don't teach them the ways of God, you're turning a back on them spiritually and letting them follow P. Diddy, Daddy Yankee, the first one that they find, Jennifer Lopez. So as David Carrasco comes up here, I want us to pray this scripture from the Bible that he who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, to him it is sin. That's what the Bible says, my friends. If you know the good you ought to do and you don't do it, it's sin. That means the families around here who know that they should be bringing their children to church and don't, that's sin. The, the parents that know that they should be watching what their children listen to, what, the, what they bring in the home as an entertainment, when they don't do it, it is sin. When they don't reach out and help the poor, when they don't reach out and do good, they're actually doing bad. There is no middle ground with God. It's either black or white. David Carrasco leads the small group ministry. He knocks on doors. He meets beautiful families around this community that represent Americans all around the world working hard, uh, Americans all around in the country working hard for the American dream. Listen, my friends, the American dream has stolen the soul of so many people. Before he prays, I want you to think about how many Americans believe this lie. Let me, let me prove it to you right here. Remember last Christmas? Remember all the things you had to get for Uncle Gary and Cousin Flacco and all the things you had to get for your kids and all that? Remember all those things? 
You know how this year now? Look, think about it. You got to get new things now. Now those things weren't good enough. Now now you got to do it all over again. Listen to me, my friends. We're a part of the problem. We have become so greedy in this country that all we want is more, more, more. You ask people to give the church. Oh, they won't give the church, but they'll go out and buy their kid a $300 video game, $100 pair of shoes. My friends, we have turned our back on God's holy ways. This nation has believed the American dream is what it's all about, and it never satisfies. Another year goes by, I need a bigger TV. I need a nicer car. I need a nicer house. And they forget all about God. They forget all about His message. They don't tell anybody anything about God. It's all about me, 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 me. And if you don't think that's the truth, my friends, then come out with me. Come out with me. I'm a a decently looking guy. Come out with my wife. Come out with the evangelism team. And Saturday, we'll go right down to Michigan Avenue. We'll go to the Hip Mall. We'll go to Wicker Park, meet beautiful people in the city, and let's see if they'll stop and talk to us about Jesus. You'll see them look at us with so much disgust. Jesus? I'm not going to talk to you about Jesus. I don't need Jesus. I'm going to a bar. I'm going to a club. I'm going to get a meal. I don't need Jesus. I'm going to buy this outfit. I'm Christmas shopping. I'm going to celebrate Jesus' birth, but I don't want to hear about Jesus. If you don't think people in America are like that, my friends, you've never opened your mouth and talked to God, uh, talked to them about God. So we heard Adolfo cry out for the gangbangers, the the wicked young people who have sex and do drugs and hang out on street corners. But now we're going to pray for the quote-unquote good sinners that think it's okay to just stand back and do nothing but just gorge themselves in obesity with the things of this world. God have mercy. Lord Jesus, have mercy in the families that believe that having the things of the world, the materials of the world is plentiful to them, Lord Jesus. I ask that you have mercy on them, Lord Father God, for now raising the children the right way, that they sit down and they complain about the kids that run across the street, fighting each other, fighting, uh, dealing drugs and just causing all kinds of havoc to this world, but they do nothing. They don't even raise their own children, Lord. Have mercy on them, Lord, who sit back who just wait for the next person to make the change, Lord. Have mercy on us, Lord, Father God, for we want to see change, but yet we do not be the change, Lord. Let us be that change, Lord, Father God. Give us the strength and the power, Lord, Father God, as we come seeking you, Lord Jesus. Forgive the person that has the bigger house, but yet does not have you, Lord Jesus. Forgive the person, Lord, and have mercy on the person that magnifies the 10% that he doesn't have, And he minimizes the 90% that he does have, Lord Jesus. Forgive that person, Lord. Lord, Father God, have mercy, Lord Jesus. And that people that just look out the window and just want to call the police, but yet they do nothing, Lord. All they want to do is just let their fingers do the walking. Let me do this. Let me push this button. But, Lord, but what do they do? Do they get involved with the community, Lord? Do they get involved with the children of the community, Lord Jesus? Have mercy, Lord Father God. Have mercy on the parents that all they want to do is cry and complain about their children, Lord Jesus. Have mercy on them, Lord Father God. Have mercy on the person that just wants more of this world, Lord Father God. Have mercy on them, Lord Jesus, as they seek the biggest and better thing in the newer technology, Lord Father God. But yet they can't give a simple thing to their child, which is you, Jesus. You come free, Lord. 
You do not cost us a thing, Lord Father God. All you do, Lord Father God, is bring us joy and happiness and peace, Lord. But yet that doesn't seem to be enough to this world. If you are not in the video game, we do not want you, Lord. Forgive them, Lord Father God. Have mercy, Lord Jesus. Have mercy on the people that just desire the material things, that just seek more of the world, Lord Father God. Have mercy, Lord Jesus. Oh, Lord Father God. Glory to you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, just stick with us. We're going to pray two more prayers. Just stick with us today. Come on. We're being Habakkuk today. We're being prophets to a nation. Come on. Come on. You have a better idea? You just want to watch the news? Come on. I'm actually trying to do something about this. I'll actually be on the street corners this week trying to do something about this. Come on. We got to pray. We got to get out there. We got to make a difference. We can't sit back and do nothing about this and just complain. But here's, here's the big one right here. We got to pray for mercy. We got to pray for mercy upon us as Christians. You know why? Because when you go into a room, like a basement that's pitch black, just, just bring it down just a little bit for me, please, brother. When you go into a room that's pitch black, and you go to hit on the light switch that you expect to be on, and it doesn't come on, you don't get mad at the darkness. You don't change the darkness. You get upset with the light if you get upset with anything, and the first thing you do is you change the light because the light pushes back the darkness every time if there's darkness it's because there's no light now my friends there's a church on every corner in this city there's four and five of them there's members all over this place going to their church dressing up looking all cute some even in this place today who really don't live for god sometimes even we who are christians don't do what we ought to we need to humble ourselves and say, God, have mercy on us. Have mercy on the Christian who cusses on their job, who acts like a jerk in traffic. Have mercy on the Christian who holds back their tithes and offerings from the missions, but will buy cable and DVDs and new Christmas toys. Father God, have mercy on the church. Have mercy on us who will pass that homeless person, oh God. And, and God, we'll pretend like it's all right, Father. Have mercy on us. Nancy, I'm going to ask that you would come and pray for the churches and pray for the Christians that are supposed to be the light. They're supposed to be different. We're supposed to be living a different life, but we're not. If you ask the average person on the street, do you think Christians are following the ways of Jesus, or do you think Christians are just crazy? You would ask most people, oh man, Christians are crazy, man. They don't do nothing good. What do Christians do? They're crazy. They don't live like Jesus. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Feeding the poor, turning the other cheek, praying for their enemies? Oh, come on. I don't even know a Christian who lives like that. We need mercy on us. Come on, pray, Nancy. Oh, God, have mercy, Jesus. Have mercy, oh, God, on the church, Lord, where we're supposed to be your hands and your feet to this world, oh, God. Lord, you said, Lord God, in the book of Revelation, Lord God, that there was a church, Lord God, that they did the deeds, Father, but they were just, they were, they were poor and pitiful and blind and naked, oh, God. Have mercy on the church today, Lord God, for we are poor and pitiful and blind and naked. We do not do as we should, Lord. Have mercy on us. Have mercy on us for our hypocrisy, O oh God. Have mercy.
mercy on us for our greed. For our greed. We've made it all about us. We've made it all about our flesh, oh God. But we've done nothing to reach out. We've done nothing, oh God, to reach out to your people. Have mercy on the churches that are dead. Awaken us, O oh God. Awaken us again to revive our hearts back to you. Awaken us again, Lord God, to cry out for the lost. Awaken us again, Lord God, to make it about you and not about us, Jesus. That we will be a church that gives. That we will be a people that loves you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. That we'll be a church, a bride that loves our neighbor as ourselves. That we will get back to the basics of what it's about. It's about you and it's about souls. Forgive us, oh God, for making it about everything else but that. Forgive us for being a church of just entertaining. Forgive us for being a church that tickles the, 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 the people's ears. That just gives them what they want to hear. That just gives them a 30-minute worship service. And a five-minute message that makes them feel like they're going to be going to heaven when they walk out of the door. And they come back the next week and they're all the same, living in their sin. God, have mercy. Have mercy on our churches, oh God, that are being sensitive to the seekers, that are doing it all for the people. And for we're forgetting about you. We're forgetting about your righteousness. We're forgetting, Lord God, who it's about. It's you. Have mercy, O oh God. Let conviction come to our churches again. Revive our hearts in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Now, let's just grab these flags. Let's just grab these flags quickly. Somebody grab me one. We're going to pray for mercy on the nations now. When I talk to Pastor Amit and to Pastora Julieta, they don't paint a picture for us of a, you know, a happy-go-lucky community. You know, sometimes we can look at the nations with a, a feeling of romance, you know, like, oh, you know, the people of Mexico, they must be really different than Americans, you know. They're, they're probably really, really different, you know. They probably really want to hear about Jesus. People of India, you know, they're poor. They're chasing that dog to get the food. You know, I, man, they probably really want to hear about Jesus. And the truth is both of the pastors have shared with us that even people in poverty, even people in these other nations, they are just like in Americans. They're full of pride. They don't want to give their heart to God. Many of them believe other religions are the way to go. They'll worship stones and statues. You'll try to convince them. You'll try to convince the untouchables that the, the, the religion of Hinduism has taught them that they're less than animals, but they won't even leave their religion of Hinduism to find grace in Christ. We've got to pray for mercy upon them. I'm going to ask Rachel to come forward and just cry out for the nations. Would you pray with me today just for nations? Name nations. Pray for Puerto Rico. Pray for where you come from. Pray for the people you know around you. We have all the nations of the world in Chicago. Come on, let's just lift up nations to the Lord today. God, have mercy on the nations. Oh, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, we cry out to you as the living God, as the sovereign one of heaven, oh God. We call out for mercy on the nations of this world, oh God. Oh Lord, we come against that spirit of religion, oh God, in these nations. Religion and working to make you happy, working to have a relationship with you, praising five times a day, worshiping an 
you come against that, the religious spirit in the Philippines, oh God, Catholicism, oh God, and even people that don't even believe there is a God in Europe, oh God, that whole area, God, that are atheists, God, that don't even believe that you exist, oh God, Father God, forgive them, oh Lord, look from heaven and have mercy on them, oh God, Lord, we ask, oh Lord, that you would open up their eyes, oh God, to see their sin, that they need you, oh God, whether poor or rich, God, each and every one of them needs you, oh God, we pray for the missionaries over there, God, we pray for the pastors, oh God, that are preaching your gospel, we pray in Jesus' name that you would equip them, oh God, give them power from your spirit, oh Holy Ghost, God, give them words to speak to the peoples, oh God, that they would hear your gospel, Lord, we pray for those nations, God, that are experiencing a persecution, oh God, from your name, oh God, I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, that your light would shine in the darkness, oh God, the Lord, every corner of the earth, God, would hear your message, oh God, the Lord, they would hear you and respond to your words, God, we pray for the, all these nations, the flags that we are holding up, God, we pray for India, God, we pray for Mexico and all the nations of the world, God, that you would shine your light in these nations, Lord, your word says, oh God, ask of me and I will give them to you, so we ask of you, oh God, give us the nations, Lord, give us souls from every country, God, every walk of life, every race, oh God, your word says that your glory would cover the earth, oh God, cover the earth, oh God, with your glory, oh God, that your name would be raised up in praise, oh God, oh Jesus, every nation, oh God, may they bow their knee to you while there is still time, in Jesus' name, Holy Spirit, use us, use Metro Praise, use other churches, oh God, to send out, God, raise up missionaries, raise up pastors in other nations, oh God, that your gospel would be preached, oh Lord, and may we harvest a harvest of souls like we've never seen before in this day, in Jesus' name, amen. Glory to God, let's give God a shout of praise, hallelujah, hallelujah, we're going to sing a song in closing today, oh how he loves us. As we sing this song, Oh How He Loves Us, if you came here today and you have personal sin, or you have a marriage that's struggling and you need mercy from God, or you just want to come back up to the altar for whatever reason, no one's going to judge you. As we sing this song, whoever needs mercy, whether it's for their family, whether it's for their own life, whether it's for their nation, just as we sing this song, Oh How, how He Loves Us, just come to your knees just as we sing it, and just cry out to, for God to forgive you. Call out to God to restore your family. Call out to God just to do it. And as we sing the words, oh, how He loves us. Think about how much God loves you. He died on the cross so that we could have mercy. Mercy flows from His blood-stained hands. He died for us. That shows His love. He died for our forgiveness. The best days can still come to our lives. The best days can still come to this nation. Come on, whoever needs mercy, just come to the front as we sing it together. Come on, if you got personal sins, just come on. Come on, if you want to believe God for your marriage, your family, your kids, just bring them up with you. Come on, if you want to lift up people to the Lord, your family, your cousins, it doesn't matter. Come on, just one more time. We want to cry out. How He loves us so. Oh, how He loves us. How He loves us. Up here and join me, Nancy. We're going to pray for our sisters, our brothers that don't know the Lord. Come on, our family. Oh, how He loves us so. Oh, how He loves us. 
Could you imagine if somebody would have reached that kid in England and told him, Jesus loves you. Don't jump. Don't jump. Jesus loves you. Come on, who's going to reach out today? Who's going to touch somebody and say, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Just the voices, let's lift it up. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves Come on, sing it for them today. Sing it for your family today. Oh, how he loves the Rodriguez family. Hallelujah. We pray for Juan to come home. We pray for Nancy to come back. Hallelujah. We pray for the family members here that don't serve the Lord, oh God. Bring them back, Jesus. Bring them back, Jesus. We pray for Kathy's sister, oh Lord. Bring her back, God. Bring her back, God. We pray for Gilbert Sr. today, God. Save them, Jesus. Get a hold of them, God. Get a hold of them, Jesus. Oh God, we lift them up to you today. Oh, God, we lift up to you, Julio O'Malley, oh, God. Save them, Jesus. Bring Amy back, Father. God, we could be here all day naming their names. We sing it for them today. We sing it for them today. You love them. Mercy, Lord. Come on, one more time. Come on, one more time. Let's sing it softly to the Lord. He loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves He loves those people in India. He loves them. In Mexico, he loves them in our inner cities. He loves them in the high schools. 
He loves them in Boys Town. Our God loves them. One more time, come on. He loves us. Oh, how He loves us. And oh, how He loves us. Oh, how He loves us. Amen. If you could just take somebody's hand today in closing. Thank you for being with us today and praying. Thank you for letting me be a pastor that that wants to be like the prophet Habakkuk. Thank you for letting me preach messages that aren't always easy. But now hold somebody's hand and just pray for them today that God will fill them with His love. God, fill us with Your love. We don't want to go out into this world and be judgmental, just weird, judgmental, harsh Christians. We want to be loving God. We want to be loving Jesus. We don't want to condemn our families, oh God. We don't want to be harsh to them. God, we want to love them. God, we pray today that we'll feel your love. Somebody once said, oh Christians, they're weak. They need a crutch. That's why they go to church. Hey, let me tell you something. Everybody's got a crutch. The only difference is, is mine never breaks. Ours never fails. Ours never leaves us. Oh, come on. Everybody's got a crutch. Whether they call it sports or entertainment, their job, their 401k, their family. Everybody's got a crutch. Ours never breaks. Ours never falters. Jesus never leaves us. Family can leave us. Jobs can leave us. Governments can let us down. But God never lets us down. I pray every one of us feels His love, His love, His grace, His mercy. Jesus, we love You. We thank You for everybody here today. Every life is special to You. Now, Lord, as we walk out these doors, let us do the part of Habakkuk to spread the message that You will judge sinners, but that's not the only thing, but You love sinners and You'll forgive them today. You'll change them just like you did for Alex, just like you did for Charles, just like you did for Hector, like you did for David and Monica, like you did for me. You'll do it for them. God bless us as we go from this place. Never away from your presence. Let us walk here with you, walk out of here with you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Can you give God a hand clap of praise? Come on. Hallelujah. Slap somebody high five and say, remember mercy. Remember mercy. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. Remember mercy.